And welcome on in to another edition of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganath St. Louis Acura here on Claves Online. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside, as always, by Andy Hanselman as we uh, continue to socially distance ourselves. Andy, how are you? Joe, I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing great. A uh, lot of work went into this week's show, and I am uh, I'm hoping the uh, the listeners, much like last week, will uh, will flock to Klabe's online and listen to it. I got to say, off the uh, off the top here, I I am incredibly uh, overwhelmed with how uh, how well the show did last week, uh, our first show online, and it showed me that uh, well, I, if if it were up to me, the show would have been posted on uh, on on websites long long ago when uh, when we started up a year ago, but that was never the case. So everybody that was not able to listen to it live was able to do so at their own leisure last week with it being up on the website and available on Spotify and iTunes. And I was getting texts and messages last week asking if it was on podcast apps that I've never heard of in my life. And people were later telling me they found it on there. So it's it's so on all the all the places. In general, if you upload to Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, all of the other aggregators will pick it up. They okay. All, they all kind of pick from the same thing. There's certain cases where that won't happen, but in general, that's what happens. Okay, yeah, I think it was called a podcast attic or something like that, yep. and somebody had sent me a message. I said, I've never even heard of that, and then he, I get a message about 20 minutes later saying, hey, found it. And it was, well, okay, cool, great. Yeah. It's most wonderful. Of it actually, most of it is actually iTunes. Uh, I'd say almost 80% of it is iTunes, uh, and with the rest of it being Spotify and Stitcher. When yeah. I was uh, when I was doing the uh, the St. Louis Podcast Network, and I was uploading I was uploading podcasts to uh, I had I had the I had the RSS feed going to all three of those different aggregators, and uh, Stitcher always <laughs> there was never any lessons on Stitcher, but when I would check the stats, there were all these weird different apps that people were using to to listen to the podcasts that I was producing. So it's uh, it it gets around they they all get around out there, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, my, my big one. I, I just want to say my big one was that I wanted to I wanted to get it on Spotify because yeah. I I have a I have a Droid. I know you know I know people with iPhones. They probably go to iTunes, but I just feel like everybody probably has Spotify these days, and it's easy to find on there. So yeah. that was I'm, I'm happy that we were on there. Spotify is is the big player in the game now. You know, of course, you know when Apple broke out iTunes last year, uh, to, with all their different uh, with all the different media. Uh, they have, you know, they have the podcast app. They have the the books app. They have all these different apps now. It's not all it's not all encompassed in the iTunes thing or in, under the iTunes app anymore. Finding stuff on finding podcasts on a on an Apple device is much much easier now with that podcast app. Yeah. What were you uh, wanting to say? What were you wanting to throw in there? Oh, I just want to say that you know, different incarnations of the show have been you know uh, available on podcasts. You know, uh, whether it be prime time or going over those, all those shows were always available. On, uh, on in a podcast form, I remember people always liking it, and I was always disappointed that that Weekend Joe uh, never really had a had a uh, a recorded people to a recorded option before. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, that we that we have it now. How did how I, without getting too specific, I, I know that numbers are kind of are kind of quiet. You said you were impressed. Uh, was it was it did it exceed your expectations? 
It did. So uh, we were. So I will. I will get into this. I will dive in to uh, kind of give a a peek behind the windows or behind the curtain, I should say, while we are uh, while we're doing this. So, uh, Claves Online. When we I started working for them in March, and we started throwing a lot of stuff up there on the website. Uh, March was a, a really really good month for Claves Online, and I want to say by April 12th, uh, we had already surpassed the numbers that we saw in March. So, yeah, Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool. To uh, to see that we are to see that we're doing that uh, to see that we're doing so well with uh, with that, and then it was a uh, joke as we were we were talking about the uh, the numbers uh, earlier in the week, and we had mentioned you know I I jokingly said to Claves uh, and we were doing a uh, we were having a little teleconference meeting. And I jokingly said something to him like, hey, you're welcome for bringing you all those listeners. And then the the person that was also on the call who is kind of runs all those numbers stops and says, actually, here were the numbers. And it was la- as of last weekend or last week, it was the most listened to thing on Claves Online. So I was very was happy. Really- with uh with that but i i can tell you it's not going to be the case this week with some of the stuff that we uh we have up there on claves online one of the uh maybe maybe podcast wise maybe but i will tell you this you go there right now and we uh we have a video up claves and harrison bader as a, a video a, a video i i i before this shutdown for uh the coronavirus andy i didn't know what the heck zoom was had no clue what Zoom was. Now I'm setting up uh, I'm setting up meetings with Cardinals to do Zoom with running all sorts of graphics and things behind it too. And the graphics I'm making right now look like a third grader made them. And we are uh, we are working uh-huh. to improve many different aspects of the uh, of the game here for Claves Online. That's all. Yeah, I'm on the site now, uh, looking at it. Everything looks good. Uh, I know one of my favorite things on Claves Online is something that you do, and that's uh, this day in Cardinals history, which, which I is a lot of fun. Which, and if you want to go look at my Twitter timeline, you can find out what time we're recording this show because it is uh, live and local, or it's not live and local. It's I have changed it, Andy. It is great sports talk online. That is oh, what wow. I've, uh, yeah, great sports talk online. I actually just so this day in <laughs> Cardinal history is the 20 inning game between the Mets and the Cardinals. Okay. It went 20 innings. It went almost 7 hours and one of the uh it was actually 0-0 through the first 18 innings and I believe the final score ended up being 2 to 1 or I might be wrong on that. I'm not sure I'd have to look at it at the details of it. But I will tell you this um that is this day in Cardinal history. And I just saw on my timeline, Kenny Albert tweeting about it. And I could have swore I knew Kenny Albert was on the call for that game. And I'm going to reach out and try to get Kenny on the show next week. And uh, I, I, I tweeted it to Kenny because he tweeted out his scorecard from the, uh, from the game. So I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool that Kenny Albert tweeted out the scorecard from the game. So I sent him the, uh, the link or I sent him the, this day in Cardinal history from that, oh, cool. uh, from that. So hopefully yeah. he gets a chance to, uh, to listen to that and, and can be, uh, offer some good feedback on it on the show next week. 
It's a whole, I mean, it's about three and a half minutes. So, I mean, there's yeah. plenty of, uh, you got plenty of time to listen to that clip and all of the other clips there on uh, on Klabes Online. A lot of cool things coming to that. I will tell you this. Uh, so coming up on the show today, Howard Balzer will be on to talk about the XFL closing up shop. And yeah, some of the, uh, it was a tough one. It was another tough guy to get. <laughs> And we uh, so we'll talk with Howard about that, a little bit of stuff about the draft uh, and how they are going to go about doing the NFL draft this year, all of it online uh, and over Zoom and with teams kind of at their own homes trying to communicate with each other. It's going to be a lot different. It's going to be fun to watch on TV. So we have him. Then Rob Fisher is going to uh, join the show and. We'll uh, we'll talk a little NBA stuff with with Fish, who also contributes here to Klabes Online, and I have been spending a lot of time working on my walls here at the basement. Yeah, and I I have you know what I I have options for my backdrops, and I'm going to start using those for a lot of these. I am going to just move around and be mobile with where I have my webcam set up to where I do these Skype uh, these Skype sessions these Skype interviews that I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm going to have different things that you could see in the background, whether it's uh, all the rally towels I've gotten, whether it's my Cardinal wall, my Frank Thomas wall, my Super Bowl wall, my, uh, my radio wall, my bobblehead wall. I have a lot of different uh, area, my wrestling wall that is not fully uh, up yet. I need some frames for the wrestling wall that I have down here i guess section of a wall I, I just named off about seven walls i don't have seven walls in my basement i have different sections of different things right no no you're, all, blessed. you're blessed yeah, and then, you're blessed right. to have seven walls in your basement don't don't lie to the listener. and then the other uh the other ideas that i have that that need to be done over the next uh so several months taking a whole bunch of sets down there that's that's what it's going to be i mean i'm going to have different background backgrounds for different interviews so rob fisher he just made he just hung a bunch of stuff up on his wall for he and I to Skype together and I think we're going to put the video portion of that interview up on Klabes online because the background that he had for his wall was really really cool and we get in this is before we started recording when we were just chatting with each other and we I was asking him what certain things were on his wall and whatnot, he, uh, I told him, you know, he's the sideline reporter of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I said to him, I said, you know, one of the coolest things I have, most unique things I have is my Shane Battier Memphis Grizzlies rubber duck, which Andy, I think you've seen before. I have. I've seen. And he, he turns around, he opens up a cabinet behind him and he pulls out his very own Shane Battier Memphis Grizzlies rubber duck. I mean, what are, what are the odds? <laughs> So we uh, so we had a laugh over that. And I told Fish because, it, you know, he's he does some writing for Klaibs. He does some interviews with Klaibs. I told Fish that I said, I want to do one. I want to do a short video with you uh, coming up here soon, maybe next week. And just kind of focus on one piece of memorabilia that you have up on the wall. And I think that's going to grow. And I think we might start doing that with other people, too. I think we are going to just start going into people's homes virtually uh you know sure. webcam style and start to look at some of the things that they uh that some of their most prized possessions that they have i need to set a camera up in here because I, I have some pretty cool things i have the i have the artega print from 1970 of the exterior of the arena hanging up in my office i have a uh, a handwritten uh 
scoreboard from the 2018 PGA Championship. Mm. I have some. Uh, I have some. I have a pin flag from the 1965 U.S. Open at uh, at Bell Reeve, and also I have a 2018 pin flag from the uh, from the PGA Championship at Bell Reeve. Nice. And, uh, some other stuff. So I, I have. That's some other stuff hanging up right now, but most of it's just decoration. I've been, but I've been kind of wanting to make this my, uh, you know, my my personal space and get get Mrs. Hanselman's crap out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, yeah. So we will. Uh, I, I think so, that's so, the key though that? is to uh, is to uh, make sure all that stuff's very well lit, so that way people can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's uh, some of the ideas that we have here uh over the next few uh over the next few weeks for stuff that we're planning on doing on claves online and it, you know it looks like there's a chance we might get sports back sooner than we thought and it's going to be in front of zero fans as right. all of the teams seem to uh seem to be heading that way as they are uh, as the ideas are coming forth and Dr. Fauci is kind of laying out what needs to happen to make sure it's safe before we dive into that, just a quick, just a quick, you know, poll between the two of us. Are you more likely, less likely, or the same to go to uh, professional sporting events this year when people are allowed? I'll, I'll go. Yeah, it's not going to. I, I will still. I'm still going. I want to. Would you I, go? I, would you go sit in the stands at a game? Yeah, I would. I have no intention of going to a Cardinal game this year unless it's like in an area where lim- where people will be limited. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just me, though. You know, that's just how I feel about it. It's not because I don't think that they're going to do their best to protect people, or you know, I I've, I don't know if that's it, if it's if it's mass pandemonium where anybody can just go, it, you're 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 going to have a tough time finding me at a game. I, I can understand that. I, you know, I, I just I feel like when I go to games, I tend to walk around a lot. I tend sure. to. Yeah, I, I tend to, I think I have a different way of viewing games and some people do. And I, I just, that's kind of my thought process behind it. So you know, I, might, with that. I might go watch, you know, I might go to Bush Stadium and go hang out like at the, at the bow tie bar uh, behind left field. I, I, I really enjoy hanging out back there and there's really not a ton of people, but as far as like sitting in the stands next to somebody, um, I, I, I don't see myself doing it for a while. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I plan on going. Hopefully, they let media in there to cover it. I imagine sure. that media is going to be very limited. So, and I've I, also heard that they would also like they're going to limit attendance at first as well too. Oh yeah, like you won't like they, like they might start with like five hundred people. <laughs> I could, I could see that happening. I, they started playing in Taiwan. They're starting. They they have plans in place to start playing in South Korea and in Taiwan. They had fake fans in the crowd. Fake fans. Yes, they had. They had robots. They had pictures. They had the you know flat cardboard cutouts there. They they had all kinds of crazy things. You know, the uh, Louisiana Superdome or Mercedes Benz Superdome in New Orleans right now. That seating pattern in there is designed to make it look like there are people in the stands because all the seats are a different color. Did you know that? I did not know that. I that's the uh, when I went to WrestleMania two years ago it was at the Superdome, and that wasn't something I paid attention to because well, I was at WrestleMania and I didn't care about anything else in the world. And the Saints haven't exactly had a hard time selling out the Superdome, you know, the the past probably decade or, or so. Right. Back in the 70s and 80s when they weren't very good, they had a hard time selling it out. 
And so their idea was to put in a, a seat pattern to make it to mimic that the stadium would look full of people. Okay. <laughs> I, that's, I, that is, it's crazy to me, but I, I guess it's, I I'd never had heard that before, but it, it, that's the thing. I think with, I think you'll, you'll get these players in there. It'll be weird if they have to play in front of nobody the first few games. They'll get used to it. I'm sure Everybody's that going to get used to it. And I'm sure many of these guys went to, you know, it's not like these, it's, you know, this is, I feel like this is different than in basketball. In basketball, these guys that are playing in the NBA are the best of the best. And they have been, their entire lives were the best players on the team. You remember back in, remember back in high school when a five-star recruit, potential division one superstar would come to your town, would go to, would, would come to town. The gym would be absolutely packed. Just think, I mean, think back, I'm going to go think back to when Darius miles was uh, when he was a senior at East St. Louis and I was a freshman at Alton, you had the tickets sold out ahead of time to his home game at Alton and every game, everywhere that Darius miles went, the stands were absolutely packed. He went to the NBA. You think of some of these other guys who were played in front of packed crowds for their whole high school life and then went to a jam-packed college that was packed every every time. And then you go to the NBA and there's 20,000 people in the stands every game for that. I, they're used to it. You think baseball. Think baseball. Think of these guys that are playing that didn't that weren't, you know, that weren't lucky enough to play in Florida or Southern California or Texas when they were growing up. Think of somebody out of, you know, up in Michigan that had to start playing their high school baseball season in March. Nobody was showing up to those games, even if they were a stud. Nobody, they, you're not, high schools aren't packing the baseball stadiums. Or, for, or college, for that matter. And then, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. You go off to a college game, and you go to a Big Ten school or an SEC school, and they might have really nice stadiums. They're not packing them with 5,000, 10,000 people in those games. And then, when you get drafted, you're not going straight to the majors. You're playing in front of nobody in the minors. Right. So, you you know, as a baseball player, you're spending an awful lot of your career at the younger ages playing in front of no crowds. You know, you got to think about like <laughs> I've always wanted to ask a, a you know a true rookie who was who was the, uh, their their first major league game was opening day in St. Louis, and just after playing baseball their entire lives through little league, high school, college, minor leagues, and their first game in the big leagues is opening day at Bush Stadium. What has to be going there? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things, I mean, you you look at when a player comes up from AAA to the big leagues, and one of the biggest things they have to overcome if it's an outfielder is trying to track a fly ball with that third level of seats. It's something that is, you know, it is definitely a big change that, uh, that they have to get used to in a hurry if they want to succeed at that level. And if you're telling them they have to go play in front of nobody, they're going to go do it. They're, they're going to, they're, they're going to go out down there and play. They're going to figure it out. But again, it's, it's crazy to see how, uh, how nobody has an answer to, uh, to anything there. So I mentioned, so I already mentioned balls are on the show. I mentioned Rob Fisher, uh, then coming up, I, I am excited to have Scott Rogowski on the, uh, on the show. He used to work for the trivia site HQ. Uh, he was there back in the day. He now works for DAZN, or as you might see it, D-A-Z-N, the, uh, the, the network. 
uh, and he does host a show with Adnan Verk named Change Up, where it's kind of like a nightly baseball show, whip around type, follow all the games type thing. And I, I met Scott last year at the All-Star game. He was in the celebrity softball game. Uh, we've had him on the show before, Andy. We had him on the show, and it was unfortunate the day we had him on the show because it was when you and I were at Normandy for that golf outing. And we just kept having live guests after live guests come up to the table. Right. And <laughs> that was we, one of the biggest days of the show. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to cut things short with Scott because I think we had, was it uh, John Kelly came over to the, to the table or Pat Maroon? I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, Reed Lowe. Uh, yeah. There were, I mean, it was, it was a, a day filled with stars. Right. So that was the day we had him on uh, last. But he uh, so as everybody is trying to figure out how to do something, how to entertain people during uh, during quarantines, he has started an online show called Isolate Night, where he is basically hosting his own late night talk show. And he's doing everything through the, the same way that basically we're trying to do it on Klaibs Online. He, he's having people Skype in. He's interviewing them. He's doing stupid little games as he plays. He's got a great guest list, it seems like, every night, too. And he's making the best of it. And a lot of people are, are tuning in to watch it every night. So we uh, we talk about that with him. And then this one is uh, this next one. This one just hits close to home for me. Uh, another example of trying to figure out something to do to pass the time. Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. He's a uh, basketball writer, covers everything, high school, college, pro basketball. He uh, dusted off his NBA 2K8 or NCAA 2K8. So NBA or NCAA 2008, the very last game that 2K made for college basketball. And he went on there. And he decided he was going to start a dynasty with the worst team in college basketball, the Western Illinois Leathernecks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he all he was going to do was recruit and sim, recruit and sim, and see how many years it took him to win a national championship with Western Illinois University. So as of this broadcast that you are listening to, he should have posted his most recent uh, article, which I think he said were seasons three and four that he simulated through. And you'll be able to find that online. And we talk about the uh, the games that he is or what he has done so far. And then we get into a little bit of basketball news and notes, too, with him. So we uh, we do that as well. So all that coming up. And then, uh, Andy, you'll be back and we'll do some crack slippers at the end of it all, too. So a, uh, a very, very busy show. Once again, something for everybody here on Klabes Online. And of course, as, uh, as we did last week, if you go into the descriptions or you look at my Twitter, I will put uh, timestamps on there where you can find some of the interviews. So if there are interviews you don't want to listen to or ones you just want to skip directly to, you're more than welcome to uh, find the times and just uh, drag the cursor right up there to it. And I believe, I think last week I had all the times right. I, I, nobody said anything otherwise to me. So No, I went through it. You got it all right. Sweet. I, I that was I my I let you know. That was my one worry that I screwed something like that up. And if I was off by like two seconds, that wouldn't have been a big deal. If I was off by two minutes, then I would have been really mad at myself for that. So no, you were all it, good. Good. That's uh thank you for that. So we have all that coming up on the uh on the show and more uh more to come uh for uh between me and Andy as well. This is weekend Joe driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. 
And uh, also, you know what? We're, we're not going to forget about Munganass Toyota either in, in Alton. And earlier today, I saw that Munganass Toyota in Alton, they're delivering cars to you to help practice social distancing. They're offering home delivery and pickup for sales and service customers. You can call them for more information. I'd ha- I'll have to look and see if St. Louis Acura is doing that as well. But I'm guessing if Jamie's behind one, he's behind the other. But uh, AltonToyota.com is Munganass uh, Alton Toyota's website. You can schedule that. Uh, you can call and schedule that today at Munganass uh, Alton Toyota for, uh, for that. So a great thing going on there with the Munganass family. We will take a break. We come back, Balzer, and then we'll have Rob Fisher, and then Scott Rogowski, and then Ricky O'Donnell, and then Crack Slippers. So a packed show for you right here on Weekend Joe. Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com, is driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura. It's also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Hey, right now in these uh, trying times, don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm for any of your estate planning, wills, trusts, or power of attorney issues that you might have. Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm can help with all of that. And he can even help with traffic matters or criminal matters for that, uh, for that matter. They are committed to your satisfaction at the Inskip Law Firm. That's I-N-S-K-I-P, the Inskip Law Firm. Corey Inskip, my guy. Plenty of ways to get in touch with him, whether it's by phone, email, social media. Corey Inskip will get back in touch with you if you give him a call or hit him up today. That's the Inskip Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. And welcome back in to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on Claves Online, now exclusively on Claves Online. And well, this past week, it uh, you know we, a lot of people have been getting hit hard, losing jobs, uh, being furloughed, and we saw that with the XFL earlier this week as they just shut down operations, and now the league is up for sale. And here to talk about it is Howard Balzer. Howard, what's going on, man? I'm uh, hanging in there, Joe. Hope you are too at this kind of crazy, crazy time. Yeah, no, pretty much. It's uh, just kind of finding stuff to uh, to keep myself busy, as I'm sure you're doing the same. And now you're doing stuff for uh, Sports Illustrated with the Arizona Cardinals. So you're you're still in St. Louis, though, right? You didn't go and move off on the move to the desert on us, did you? I have not moved to the desert yet. I'll yes, say yeah. that, but who, who knows what happened might happen down the road. But I'll tell you. Doing things remotely hasn't been an issue because that's all anything is being done now is remotely. So it's uh, it's been it's been kind of, kind of fun and of course being and with the Cardinals of all th- teams, of course a team that was here long long time ago. It's uh, it's been pretty uh, pr- pretty fun getting back into that a little bit and covering the team and producing some content on them. Yeah, we'll talk about the draft here in a uh, in a little bit, but first your thoughts on. What we saw with the, with the XFL, and I, I know, you know, you, you know I'm a big WWE guy, so I've really dug into it from that aspect. Have you, have you done the digging and looked into why this decision was made? I've been, I've been trying to do some digging, and of course those, those who made the decision aren't talking very much, but some, some, some of the key things here, of course, is that they, when they made the announcement they did, obviously, 
uh, on Friday and then filed for bankruptcy on 11. It was cha- on Monday, rather. It was Chapter 11 instead of Chapter 7, which normally Chapter 7 means you're shutting down totally. Chapter 11 is when you're trying to restructure. And it appears that's what they're doing, restructure everything. And like you said, perhaps be in a position to sell. I'm not sure how much they would sell it for, what the actual assets are that someone would buy. And I guess we'll have to wait and see what's going on. But and I know you digging into the WWE and I'm interested to find here what you found out, because there's there's one school of thought that a lot of this had to do with the WWE and Vince McMahon protecting those investments and with how how this pandemic has affected his business also. We found out, of course, in the bankruptcy filing that while it was portrayed all along that the XFL was totally separate from the WWE, we find out that 20, a little over 23% of the shares of Class B stock were owned by the WWE. So how much that's all intertwined, I'm sure, is a part of it. But I believe this, Joe, and I've run this by a few people. No one has absolutely confirmed it because they weren't part of the decision, but they all said to me they agree with me 100%. I think a certain amount of this decision had to do with the uncertainty in pro in the NFL and college football because we've heard rumblings about college football potentially delaying the season. Certainly what the NFL is looking at, they hope they don't have to do something like that, but it's not out of the question that they might have to they'll play but they might delay the start of the season until October. Who knows? Maybe November. And if those things would happen in, in, in the NFL and or college, then those seasons extend into the time when the XFL would be starting up again. And so with that, how can you plan for a league, be paying all these people, try to plan for a league that will start next February, the week after the Super Bowl, when the Super Bowl might be later? And they might be playing regular season games at the same time or other playoff or other playoff games at the same time that the XFL would be trying to play, which we know would not be good. So I, I think a certain amount of it had to do with that. I ran it by a few people in the league I know, and they said they agree with me on that 100 percent. So it's speculation. But I think it's kind of an educated speculation. Yeah, and we're, we're seeing so much with the WWE side. I, I know starting on Wednesday of this week, they started laying off people. I was told last week to expect about 60% of WWE employees to be laid off or furloughed. And looking at some of the names of people they've let go, I mean, that's their, it's 60% is, it seems like a low end of a, of a number now when you see that going on. And I, I think plain and simple, I mean, anybody that believed that these were two separate entities, with Vince McMahon running both, I mean, they were they were fooling themselves, I, I think, that you always knew that one was going to be the other. And to say that, I mean, even from the beginning, saying that these were two separate companies, but XFL commercials were running during WWE programming, I mean, ev- everybody knew the two were hand in hand. No, no, you know, no doubt. I mean, we all suspected it. And, and of course, the other aspect is with the WWE, they, they can potentially – I know there's, there's pushback now with this whole Florida deal and uh, what do the uh, wrestlers think of that. But at some point, they'll probably be back to having events. But the big question is, how? Yeah. W- when will it be that fans 
will be in these events and when will fans truly feel comfortable being in a crowd of 60,000 people. And all those things are unknowns now. And it's very difficult to move forward with decisions when so much of this is unknown. So uh, that's that's certainly a big a big big part. I I saw some back in the XFL. I heard saw some rumors about supposedly there's been some people asking about buying it, but I don't know that anybody would buy it until they know what the situation is with all these other things uh, we've been talking about. And and one other interesting thing, Joe, Tuesday, I I get a a ring at the doorbell, and it's FedEx, and it's an envelope with a return address that I don't recognize at all. It's some something in Brooklyn, New York. I'm saying, who the heck is this? What is this? And, and so it's just a, a package for, you know, for paper. Uh, for, so I open it up and it's the bankruptcy filing of the XFL. And I'm huh. thinking, so why did I get this? Why did I receive this? Well, I start looking through it and I can't, you can't read it because it's all the legalese and all that stuff. It's that's, it's like reading a foreign language, but I get to the back and I, I wrote two stories for the XFL website uh, back uh, back just right around the uh, the Battle Hawks first game. And so I was listed on a long list of vendors and vendor services. I guess that's why I received it, because I was my my name was on there. So I guess there's an, an unwanted souvenir that I received. <laughs> and now I can say and now I can say, Joe. That in the last two years, actually it's the last year now, it's only one year, but two seasons, I have been listed and have gotten the bankruptcy filings from two leagues, the XFL and the Alliance. So I don't know, maybe I was bad luck, I don't know, but it's pretty, pretty wild. So the Alliance, they had to stop their season short because they ran out of money. We were told, I mean, you and I were told by Shane McMahon when he sat down with us at the, the week three of the season that they had enough money for three years. Nobody could foresee a, a pandemic uh, coming along and wiping out the league. So when you look at it now, was the XFL a, a success or were they, were, were they really just kind of trying to trudge along and hopefully hoping to make it to year three? I, I think, you know, success is a is a tough word, but I think it, in a five-week season, it was a success. And I've seen a lot of things written afterwards. Well, you know, they had their problems, and they had three million viewers the first weekend, and then it was going down to a million, you know, and this and that, and then they were going to be facing competition from the Final Four and the college basketball tournament and all that. But I would suspect, if anyone was truthful, if they said that, you could average a million viewers a game or, you know, whatever uh, during the season. They'd have been thrilled with that. They'd have been happy with that. So I think on a, uh, on a competitive level, they were successful. Certainly we, we know that how, how successful St. Louis was in, in the, in the stands, the attendance was pretty good in the other markets. I think they learned that in LA and in New York, no matter what you do, that's going to be a hard sell. And so I think if some league would come back, I would I would kind of doubt that they would try to be in New York and Los Angeles. But I think overall, with what they put on the field, the new rules and all those things, I, I would say it was a success. And there was definitely something to build on there. And I'm pretty sure the TV networks were happy with it. I'm sure that those TV networks, for whatever else they would have been putting on 
and those times on those Saturdays and Sundays would not have gotten the numbers that the XFL got even in those last few weeks when they were down somewhat. So we move on now uh, to the NFL, the draft coming up this uh, next week, the uh, the draft coming up next week. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it would have been fun to see what Vegas could have put out there with uh, hosting an NFL draft, but I think I really think we might get more viewers, more people watching this year's draft because of the uniqueness of it with everybody doing things digitally. How, how do you how do you plan on going about watching or following the draft uh, this year? From my perspective, it's not much different than it always has been. Obviously, it's going to be different from the teams and how they've had to adjust and be doing it in different houses and people all over the place rather than sitting in one room. But in terms of seeing, you know, the mock drafts and everybody talking about it and who, where the quarterbacks are going to go and what trades there'll be, it's been, it's been very similar. And I think, I think you're 100% right about viewership. I think it will be probably higher than it has been. And a big part is, is what, in, in ter- if you're if you're into now, granted, a lot of people aren't going to watch the NFL draft no matter what, but there's no other choices. You know, it's not like you can turn on and watch a baseball game or watch a hockey playoff game or an NBA playoff game. That's it. That that's all there will be in sports for those three days. And so I would I would think the numbers would be very high uh, with viewership and a lot of the same people that have always watched in the past will, but you won't be turning it off. Okay, I'm going to flip away for a little bit and see what's going on in this game or that game. No, you don't have that now. So I think what's going to be interesting with it is the whole process. Will there be technological glitches? Uh, Trading, I wonder about, because especially in that first round, when a lot of times a team, there might be multiple teams that a team is talking to about a trade. That's a little bit easier to do when you have 15, 10, 15 people, whatever it is, in the same room, and teams have one guy assigned to different phones to talk to different teams, and all of a sudden, Bill Smith, the general manager of the team, is on the phone with the Falcons, and somebody hands him a slip of paper and says, hey, I've got the Bears on the line, want to talk trade. All of a sudden, you're not able to do that as, you know, as as efficiently. So how that'll affect it, we'll have to wait and see. But I think over and all, over and over, over and above, it'll it'll end up going pretty close to the way it's always been. The teams will get their players and make the decisions they're going to make. They're they're absent a lot of medical information on guys, so we'll see how that affects who gets picked and where. But I, like I said, I think overall it's going to be a draft very similar to the ones we've seen over the last uh, number of years. And uh, which team do you see or which GM, which owner do you see being at risk for having those technical glitches? Is there one that you can pick out that's going to, you know, forget to plug in his computer or have issues with the mouse, something like that? <laughs> I don't, you know, from an individual team, I don't know. That would be impossible to pick. They, they, they've been doing, I mean, they've had their IT departments running overtime pretty much the last couple of weeks since since it was decided to do it this way, and they've had dry runs. Uh, they're running, quote, mock drafts with the teams to, to do the picks, and, and, and I don't know if they're going to fake technological breakdowns to see how they then deal with it, but they're going to have three different ways to get a pick in, uh, whether it's on a phone, a cell phone, a landline, whether it's over over the computer. So they'll be, you know, known to that. And during the mock drafts, they're going to do fake trades, and all that. So they all have gone through it enough that 
the different people in the organizations who have become even the even some of the old school guys like me, they've had to become pretty up to date on the technology anyway uh, in the last number of years. And the other part of it is they've been working with a lot of the technology over the last few weeks with virtual meetings with players. I mean, they haven't there's been no pro days. The teams aren't allowed to bring the normal 30 players that they can to the facility. And so you can talk to one player for no more than an hour at a time and no more than three times in a week. But I'll tell you something, Joe. I think we we could see a lot of this, what's happened, filter into what they do down the road, down in the future. Because a lot of time is spent in this period of time with going to going to pro days, well, I don't know if that'll ever go away, but meeting with the players, going to private workouts, doing all those things, having interviews with them, where a lot of time is spent traveling. Well, I think in a lot of cases, we could see a certain amount of this virtual interviewing take place in the future rather than going to meet uh, with guys or having maybe they get away, do away with the 30 visits. Who knows? So uh, but uh, but I think on the technology th- uh, level, They've all had to become even more familiar with it. I mean, there's been some guys with teams I've heard them say, I didn't even know what Zoom was until two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Well, now it seems everybody knows uh, what Zoom is. Of course, we've known Skype for a long time. One of the concerns is that with Zoom and apparent, the apparent ability by uh, to hack, that there's some concern that some will be able to hack into some team stuff with if they're using Zoom for their draft communications. So we'll we'll see. But I, I don't th- back to your original question. I don't know. If there's any team is not going to be prepared for this because they all are pretty savvy when it comes to technology. And most of the technology they're using is technology they also had. It was all just, you know, all in one room in the war room in the teams in the team's building. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I didn't know what Zoom was until all of this uh, all of this started a month ago. I had never used it, never looked at it. And now, now I'm setting up meetings and I'm setting up roundtables with six people to uh, all zoom in together and figure out how to send all that stuff out. It's it's amazing what I've had to learn over these uh, yeah. past few weeks with this. Any are there going to be any issues with Joe Burrow going to the Bengals, or do you see? Tua possibly jumping up to that number one spot. What what happens there? I, I don't think Tua is going to jump up to number one. I think that Cincinnati is pretty honed in on Burrow is going to be their guy. He's certainly, I mean, he, he's certainly the cleanest guy from in terms of fewer questions than the other top quarterbacks. And so I think that's where Cincinnati will go. I, I think what the big story of that first round will be what happens with Tua? We've heard a lot of rumors. We know how much smoke gets blown at draft time. And, oh, supposedly, oh, the Dolphins are interested in Justin Herbert, that they have concerns about Tua's health down the road. Well, anybody would have concerns with his health down the road. I've heard there's some teams that don't even have him on their board. Now, of course, those might be teams that aren't going to draft a quarterback anyway. But his 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 the, the physical issues are a question of – how long-term you can count on him to be your guy. So I think that's going to be the huge story. Does Detroit trade out because someone wants to go up to number three, thinking that Miami is going to take Tua? Is Miami really, you know, in, you know, the, you know is Tua the guy that they're going to take? Or do they truly 
think that Herbert is less than a risk, less of a risk? Well, we'll find out next Thursday night. But I, I think to answer your question, your first your question right off the bat is, I, I'd be, I'd be, no matter how crazy the Bengals are, I'd be, I'd be stunned if they went in a different direction than Joe Burrow. Howard, we have a, a new segment that we're starting today. You are going to be our guinea pig with this. Uh, Corey Inskip of the Inskip Law Firm, he suggested it to me. He told me he wanted to sponsor this segment with everybody kind of open, figuring out things to do or stories to tell. He told he wanted me to go out and purchase trading cards and open up packs live with guests on the air. And I told him, Corey, I have an entire chest that I haven't looked at in 15 <laughs> years of trading cards. I will go and I will go into that and dive in. So these are already open. The ones for the NFL are already open. So you're getting NFL cards. I have basketball. I have baseball ones that are unopened. So what I'm doing, I'm just picking three names out of this, and I'm going to name them all off to you. And if you have a story on any of these three, we're going to – I want to hear it. And if if you don't, then maybe we just edit it out and we just move on with it. But we're, we're trying it out. Open her up. Sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. I have a box here. Let's see. A 91 Fleer card of Jerome Brown of the uh, of the Eagles. A Topps card from what looks like 91 of Mike Shad. And a Topps card of Reggie White. So those are the three. If you have a uh, story from your coverage of teams on any of those three guys, I'm going to guess Reggie White's probably the uh, favorite in the clubhouse. Hey, he, he, he would be, and I'm fairly certain, I have to double check, I'm fairly certain he was teammates uh, with Jerome Brown uh, in Philadelphia. And, of course, Jerome had uh, the tragic car accident because he lived fast and, and died fast, and he was – um, you know, Re- Re- Reggie was obviously one of the best pass rushers ever to play. I remember covering the USFL when he was there with, here's a name out of the past, the Memphis Showboats. Nice name. And then, and then I'm f- fairly certain ended up with the Eagles and then with the, at some point and then ended up with the Packers. I hope I'm right on the Eagles because I know he ended up signing with Green Bay. And the one, one story with him is when he was deciding what team to sign for, sign, sign with, of course, being a very man of faith, he said that it was praying in God that told him to sign with the Packers. So uh, that was uh, that was pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty good. But I'll, I'll say something. About he was drafted by the Rams when they were in Los Angeles. Am I right on that? Who is that? Mike Shad. That you Mike mentioned. Shad. Yeah, he was. Uh, looks like number was he number one pick or a first round pick? I think he was a first round pick. He wasn't okay. one overall. I think he was an offensive lineman, and he was from Canada, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, he was. Wow, I'm looking at the back of the card right now. Yeah, from Ontario. Yeah. And so that I, I kind of remember that people saying, "Huh, a first round pick? What are you doing?" Well, <laughs> we we've said that a few times about some of the Rams picks, but uh, that's most of what I remember. I mean, heck, you pick out car. I guess, I guess I had a better chance of remembering some of that than someone else, given that that was what, uh, 29 years ago. Yeah. I, like I said, I have, uh, I think I have cards. I have unopened. The plastic is still on the boxes for the baseball and the NBA cards that I have. And I've been telling myself I was going to keep them and maybe one day they'd be worth something. Well, I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen, and what the hell else am I going to do with them? So we're just going to start opening her up, uh, opening up cards here on the uh, on the show every weekend with our guests and see where that goes. Howard, uh, stay well in your uh, coverage of the Arizona Cardinals. That's on Sports Illustrated, right, or is it, is it 
also with the uh, Cardinals website, or where is that uh, coverage? Well, it, it's it's a it's a website through si.com, okay. and it's si.com slash NFL slash Cardinals. A lot of content there. We're gonna have to get up very creative after the draft because they're you know I just started this last month and there's been no shortage of things to report on. It's gonna really slow down after the draft. But one thing for St. Louis fans that I'm planning to do is do a certain amount of content content with where are they now and some history, especially this being the 100th anniversary of the National Football League. And a certain amount of that will be things when the Cardinals were in St. Louis. And at one point, Joe, I'm going to I'm going to be going on a little uh, campaign to get Jackie Smith, in, you know, uh, in the in the Cardinals ring of honor and have that organization recognize him, which they haven't done for years because of a feud that uh, a little feud that Jackie had with uh, with the owner, Bill Bidwell, who, of course, passed away last fall. So that, that's going to be one of my goals with this site to get Jackie Smith recognized in Arizona for his time with the Cardinals. Very nice, Howard. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Take care. You be safe, too. That's Howard Balzer. You're listening to Weekend Joe right here on Klabes Online, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura and also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Corey Inskip, my guy over there at the Inskip Law Firm. He can help you out with all of your estate planning, wills, trusts, power of attorneys, probates, workers' comp, anything that you might need, traffic tickets. He'll help you out with that at the Inskip Law Firm. They are committed to your satisfaction Hit him up today, online, over the phone, social media, whatever it is. Corey and Skip will get back with you fast. That's I-N-S-K-I-P Law Firm. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision, not based solely upon advertising. You're listening to Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville Auto Body. <laughs> And welcome back in to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura here on Claves Online. As we welcome in our next guest, we go down to Memphis, Tennessee. Used to be, uh, well, started, got his radio start here in St. Louis. Now the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies. He is Rob Fisher. What's going on, Fish? How you doing? I'm good, Joe. How are you doing, man? Man, just trying to uh, trying to keep busy, trying uh, and most like everybody else. And I, I you know, somebody like you, I, I can't imagine what it feels like down there. Is the Grizzlies were, you know, close to making a playoff run. They were in the hunt for that eight seed before everything shut down. And it's probably a whole world of what ifs for you right now, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was bizarre because we uh, we had left to go on a three game road trip. To go to Portland, team that was right behind us in the standings. Then we were going to Utah, uh, obviously team in front of us in the standings. Then we were going to San Antonio, another team that was chasing us in the standings. So it was a huge three-game trip. And uh, we were in Portland and just watching, wanted to watch the Pelicans and um, 
who are they playing? Sacramento on television that night because they were both right behind the Grizzlies in the standings. And as we're sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings in Portland, Oregon, uh, all the news breaks and the Utah games canceled against Oklahoma City. And then the game we were there to watch gets canceled. And all of a sudden there's a tweet out that, you know, we were apparently on the same flight as the Utah Jazz after their trip when we went to Portland. And so then we're wondering if we're going to have to be quarantined and then the next thing you know, we find out, you know, we're leaving the next day to come back to, to Memphis. And um, and the season just ends. You know, I, I, I wrote about it uh, on a column on clavesonline.com mm-hmm. about, you know, when the season ends, it always feels like, you know, you break up with a girlfriend that it just changes your life. I mean, you know, it's that, that last day, that finality of the season ending and, you know, your r- routine, your daily routine, your whole life just changes completely overnight and this one, it, it felt like you were dumped because it just just ended. I mean, you're on the plane heading back to Memphis and just telling everybody, well, see you when we see you. I mean, with no idea when that possibly could be and for it to happen in the middle of a regular season and what was a very special regular season up to this point, uh, was, was uh, it was pretty disappointing. And, you know, it's um, you still have hope that at some point we'll resume the season and play the last 17 games and then – hopefully playoffs for the Grizzlies, but you just kind of sit in a holding pattern like everyone else is right now, not knowing what, what's going to be next. What what kind of thoughts go through your head, go back to when you guys were in Portland and you, you hear the, you hear the story about sharing a plane with the jazz and knowing that they were so close on the schedule, just thinking of even more what ifs, knowing how greatly affected the Utah jazz were with, with, with the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, we would have been there, I guess, two days later uh, in playing in Salt Lake City. Uh, so, yeah, you, you definitely think about that. And then, you know, the thought about the plane, because it, you know, it, at that point, when the news first came out that, you know, and we're watching the game and they're saying, oh, Rudy Gobert is sick. And it's like, oh, come on. I mean, he still didn't really take it as seriously as we should have at, at that point. He just thought, oh, the guy's hung over. He was out. He was out all night last night, Oak City. But then you think to yourself, well, he was in Oak City, so that's probably not the case. So, but you know, you just kind of sit and wonder, is this for real? And then you know, an hour later, the NBA announces that they've just shut down the season, and it was just, you know, it, the word that everybody used for days. It was surreal. I mean, you just didn't, you didn't grasp the enormity of the situation, and you know that kind of at least I think for sports fans or those of us that work in sports and, you know, we had questions of, are we going to play in front of no fans and how is this going to work? And this is crazy. And we'll get to a point that we've never seen before. But then when it was just shut down completely, it was, uh, you know, it was mind boggling. You just couldn't imagine that something like this would happen. And, and, you know, I hate saying it, but you always thought maybe games would be shut down or arenas closed for some terrorist attack, but for it to be for a pandemic, I mean, Nobody expected this to happen. Nobody saw this happening. And it's something that we'll remember the rest of our lives. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing. But, you know, you sit back and you think, you know, the most important thing, as everybody would say, is about the health of people, you know, and, and the health of our country and hell, the health of the world at this point. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. And you, you just deal with it. And you do what we're doing every day now. And that's just surviving to the next day and getting through to the next day. And, and, you know, just trying to take it a day at a time. And, you know, when we're all allowed back in the gym and when we're all allowed back in the arenas, we'll play, whether that's to finish this season or to start next season. 
Does it make any sense at all that the NBA was hit as hard as they were? I mean, you look, half of the teams in Major League Baseball were down in Florida when this was going on, and there was, what, one minor leaguer with the Yankees. Nobody in the NHL has tested for it. There's been one NFL player tested for it, but there's been, what, at least a dozen NBA players that have tested for it? It's it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I don't know, you know, how testing has gone, but I know a lot of NBA teams have done their own individual testing and have gotten outside sources to test their teams uh, just to be careful uh, for teams that had played the Utah Jazz recently around that time. And uh, that was a big deal, I think, for a lot of those teams. And so I think there's been more testing in the NBA. Uh, and, you know, the NBA was at its you know peak of its season and, and playing games and and being around each other and being around the fans and, and being around, you know, travel and things like that, where, you know, baseball was a little bit more secluded. NFL obviously hadn't started. Uh, NHL, you know, I don't know if they, they did as much testing uh, as NBA players. But, yeah, I, I just think it's like the rest of the country. You know, the more testing you do, the more people you're going to find out actually had coronavirus. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happened with the NBA. You, you mentioned the uh, the feeling of the season just ending and some of the emotions that were going on with the Grizzlies season. I mean, being in that playoff position towards the end there and knowing what could have been. I, you have two different kind of ends of the spectrum when you look at that team with Vince Carter and John ja Morant. I, it's, I mean, with Vince Carter, to know that his career's done. I mean, it's it's over with, right? I, it's he's he's not gonna he's not gonna try to lace it up for one more year. No, and it's sad. I mean, it's, it. I was talking to my wife about it the other night. Vince Carter, his career kind of came to a close. It kind of epitomized his career. You know, great player, but never won that ring. And now to, to have – it's been funny because when Vince was with us a few years ago, everywhere that we went, they were playing, like, tribute videos and saying goodbye to him. And he would always look at me and say, I don't know why they think I'm leaving. I'm not going anywhere. So – He's been having tribute videos, but now finally making that decision that his career is going to end after this year. And he was getting tribute videos throughout the league again. And uh, But for it to just end this way and his career to kind of silently come to a close, is, it's really disappointing for him that uh, he deserved a lot more than how it's going to end for him. And uh, it's, it's, it's too bad. When, when was the last time he was in Memphis or when was the last time you were in Atlanta this season? Did you have a chance to talk to him before, before yeah, this? Off- we, we actually played them twice in the last two weeks before the season was shut down. We played in Atlanta on a Monday night and then came back and played Atlanta at home on Saturday. So we saw him twice in that week. And, um, you know, he's, he was, uh, he's just kind of struggling to get through it. I mean, they're having a really rough season. He's playing the mentor role. And, you know, I think it's disappointing that his last season is one like this. But, you know, he's a guy that never chased a ring. He's, he's a guy that just wants to play and wants to help. And if that's a mentor role, he does it. And, uh, you know, being around him for the three years that he was in Memphis, he was for a superstar type athlete. And people in St. Louis will relate, relate to this. For a superstar athlete, a guy of that magnitude and what he was in the NBA, you could not have been around a more genuine nice person. I tell people all the time, the biggest superstar I ever covered and the greatest guy I ever covered was Kurt Warner. Um, you know, now he became a superstar overnight that, that no one expected that to happen, but he was a genuine, wonderful human being. And Vince Carter was very similar, you know, Hall of Famer, all-star and, and couldn't have been more genuine and been a nicer guy. And 
I wish his career could have ended, you know, a little differently than it did. But if we do come back and finish this regular season, maybe he'll still have that opportunity to go out in style. And then with with Morant, uh, the the year that he had, was he? I mean, well, I guess they're still probably going to do postseason awards. Do you see him getting Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I don't think it'll be close. I, you know, Zion Williamson to me is the only guy that, that even has a chance. But he didn't. He just didn't play enough games, and he's been phenomenal. But uh, only played twenty games, where John Morant's played the entire season, and statistically has been better than any rookie. And you know, you start hearing the comparisons of. When statistic comparisons of, you know, doing things for the first time since like Jordan or doing things for the first time since Iverson, things of that nature. He, he's just a special player. And unlike anything that we've ever had in Memphis, and, um, you know, you just see it on a nightly basis of what he can do to be 20 years old and to lead this team at the point guard position, hardest position to come into the league in the NBA. And for him to do it has been remarkable. And I think he's runaway unanimous winner of the rookie of the year. Even if they remain to play the, the last 17 games, I don't think Zion Williamson could catch him. And I think he's the only one that would have a chance. That's my thinking was the only way Zion could get it is if he got the Pelicans into that postseason spot. That would have been the yep. only the only chance he would have had given the games that he played this year. So knowing that you should have many, many more years of Morant in the future probably softens that blow a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that that's what, you know, that that's the disappointing thing about this season and in, in the way that it has come is, you know, this team was expected, the Las Vegas number was for them to get 26 wins this season. And for them to be, you know, over 26 wins already, to be a team that's at 500 with 17 games to play, they're one game under 500 with 17 to play, they're in the eighth playoff spot. I mean, they've exceeded all expectations by far this season and to do that with such a young team to go through a season where, you know, your last 20 games are so meaningful every single game, that sort of experience could have been great for this team, you know, and I guess, again, you still have the possibility of coming back playing those final 17 games and you can kind of ramp it up and get back into that mode and, and go through that learning process of what it takes to, you know, late in the season to perform every night like it's like it's must win situation could be a great learning experience. I'd be I'd be upset for the team if they decide to come back and just go straight to the playoffs. Now, that would mean the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, which is great. But to not have that experience of earning that spot down the stretch with a lot of tough games and then to go into a postseason with an even different mindset would have been an amazing learning experience for this team that I, I think, uh, you know, they might be robbed of, unfortunately. But uh, it certainly gives you a lot of hope for the future with John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. and just his second year in the league. And he's just 19 years old. And uh, to see uh, Brandon Clark come in as a rookie out of Gonzaga. I mean, the, the young team that the Grizzlies have and, and how they performed this year certainly gives a lot of hope for the future. This, this is the first time I can ever remember for a team that's at 500 uh, in Memphis to have this much excitement around a team that's just a 500 team. So you, you mentioned bringing the, bringing the NBA back. We've heard the Vegas idea. We've heard the Disney World idea. Is there one that makes sense? Is there one that you think has a little more weight to it than another? Or, I mean, do we just not know anything? I, I, well, I think that's the problem. We just really don't know anything. I think they're trying to come up with ideas that could work, um, you know, and, and, and it seems like it's gaining traction with Major League Baseball talking about doing it in Arizona. 
Uh, I just, I, I think it would be amazing to be in Las Vegas for a month with Las Vegas shut down. I mean, you're, you're thinking, I'm in Vegas for a month and there's nothing to do in Las Vegas would be something that would just blow my mind. And, or even Walt Disney World, you know, to be on the resort and to just not have anything to do at a place like that would just be bizarre. And, you know, I, I still look at it. I, I think now everyone, including myself, have gotten to the point of if you got to play in front of fans, you just got to play in front or in front of no fans. I mean, if that's the case, it's just going to happen. Whereas for a long time, the thought, the possibility of playing without fans was just mind boggling to me and how bizarre it could be. But I think we are all so hungry for something to come back to some sort of normalcy, to be able to watch something on television that doesn't have to do with big tigers, I think is something that, you know, th this country really wants. And I think it's something the NBA wants to lead the way and to try and help bring the country back together and bring it back to some normalcy, considering the NBA was really the one that kind of ended everything when it comes to sports and, and it comes to social viewing and, and things of that nature. So. Uh, I think the NBA wants to try and figure it out. Uh, I hope it works, and and I hope if it does work, I hope they they allow the broadcasters to go to go, <laughs> so we can see some basketball and we can finish out what was looking like a special season. Uh, yeah, I mean everybody. Maybe they have. Maybe they just hand somebody a phone and you FaceTime with them from the sidelines. That right. that could work too. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, the the thought of playing a game inside of an arena with no fans. And to be broadcasting that at the table of an NBA game and to think to yourself, you got to be quiet because if you get excited, if you look out there and you're like, what a terrible call by the referee, he could just look back and you go, hey, I'm right here. Damn. So I think it would be a, it'd be an unusual experience to say the least. That, that happens with Bob Ramsey all the time at slew games. So it's <laughs> right. Regardless of having fans there or not, they hear Rammer when he's yelling. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob Fisher, one of the, uh, I just, I had a sponsor, one of the sponsors of the show. They came up with an idea that they want me to start doing here on weekend. Joe, and uh, he wanted me to, this was the Inskip law firm. We call it opener up. He wanted me to, uh, as, as my son jumps into the frame there as well, uh, <laughs> we, we take time away from teaching him, uh, right. playing teacher today. So at opener up, he wanted me to buy a bunch of old cards. I said, Corey, I have a bunch of old cards that have never been opened up. So I dug in and I have the 92-93 Series 1 Tops cards. So you being an NBA guy, we're going to dive into that. I'm going to pick a few out of here. We're going to see what we have. And maybe there's a guy in here that you've run across in your time down in Memphis that we can look at as I as I look through here. And uh, this is, you see, as, as we're going through here, just the first ones, we got an AC green card right off AC, the, uh, yeah. And AC then how AC Green's a guy who was uh, known as the uh, the longest tenured virgin to ever play in the NBA. That's, yes. And then, oh, look at this, a Charles Oakley card coming up next. Charles Oakley. My favorite Charles Oakley story is getting thrown out of Madison Square Garden by the owner of the team, James Dolan, in the last couple of years, which has been a fun thing to view. I love yep. going through cards, by the way. It's one thing that we do in Minneapolis, especially, there's a target connected to the hotel. They're like, so you don't have to ever go outside in Minneapolis. They have all these tunnels that you can just go to different places. And we'd go to Target and we'd buy a big box of cards and just sit in the room and open cards. It is a lost art 
and it's a lot of fun to do to just go through the cars. I got a ton of them sitting in this room. I was gonna say I, I could see your background there, and if you're, I mean, if you're looking for something to do, I feel like if you just jumped on Twitter with that background there and showed <laughs> one of your pieces of memorabilia, I think you, uh, I, I think you would entertain a lot of people. And look at there we go. I mean, this is th- this pack of cards right here. You got a Larry Bird All Star card nice. in there. I, I think we 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 did well with uh, with this card here as a, a Muggsy Bogues, a Johnny Dawkins card. A uh, uh up for just one second because I gotta grab something here for you. Something I at, need to show. Look at that. It, it this this the uh, the segment has already it has got fish to go grab his own memorabilia. What what is that? What do we got there? Uh, these are Don Russ 2015-16. And Luis Scola, Kyle Corver, St. Louis, and David Lee. Everybody, David look at Lee. That. Nice. Yeah, from the, his Boston Celtics days. So I love to just look at these every once in a while and see people that are are now on the Grizzlies or possibly coaching around the league. Kevin Durant, there's a good Kevin Durant card. So yeah, we uh, we picked out some good ones here. You had Larry Bird for crying out loud. I know. Yeah, and it's just been sitting in it's been sitting in a chest in my basement for God knows how long, and. Uh, <laughs> And we just open it up, and uh, look at that. Tim Hardaway on there now. Uh, you've uh, where's his son at these days? He is now in. Uh, is he in New York still? Or I think he's in New York. I don't know. Maybe no. Maybe he went to Dallas in the Porzingis deal. I don't even. I can't keep up with him anymore. Yeah, well, there we go. It worked out. It's working out well. Open her up, sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. It's coming. It's bringing us stories for that. We, I have so many more cards to go through, and I, I think that you, uh, we, we could just make it a, a Klaibs Online uh, weekly special of going through that wall that you have behind you as well. So, <laughs> I always love opening up cards, man. I'm, I'm willing to do that whenever, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, Fish. My favorite one, Brett Michaels from Poison, everybody. Brett Michaels from Poison. <laughs> I think we're, yeah, we're going to have to put this video up there on uh, Claves Online. Fish, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to jump on with us. And soon enough, you're going to be a, a video chatting expert, I think. Yeah, I hope so. Joe, anytime, man. Thanks. Rob Fisher, the sideline reporter of the Memphis Grizzlies, right there on Weekend Joe. We're driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura. Hey, also both St. Louis Acura, the Munganass, and Munganass Toyota, our original title sponsor, both still open. They're both essential businesses, and they still have the auto body shops there as well to get your car in and get it fixed if needed there at Munganass. And you know what? You can check it, check out their website and see all the cars that they have. You could still buy a car right now, and I, I'm going to guess that Jamie's going to uh, do a good job of uh, getting you a great deal on a newer used car over there at Mungness, whether it is St. Louis Acura, whether it is Toyota. I got to say, both of the, uh, I can't wait to get back to that showroom, that Toyota showroom in Alton, and I am really, really looking forward to doing the uh, the first uh, show or getting out there and seeing the Mungness dealership there on Manchester at St. Louis, at Mungness, St. Louis Acura. Uh, title sponsor here of Weekend Joe. We uh, will be back right after this. We'll have Scott Rogowski of The Zone, uh, the uh, changeup on The Zone, now doing a late night talk show on uh, on Twitter. You can uh, hear him coming up next right here, Weekend Joe.
Weekend Joe, driven by Munganath St. Louis Acura here on ClavesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 19. 19- 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation. That is Munganath, St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClavesOnline.com. <laughs> And welcome back into Weekend Joe here on Claves Online, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura as we go back out to the uh, guest line and we welcome on, he's the host of, Isol- I, uh, I guess, Isolate Tonight. Is that, am I saying, is that how you're pronouncing it? Isolate Night. Isolate Night. It is Scott Rogowski. Also, uh, you probably have known him from uh, plenty of other things, The Zone and uh, many other uh, online, uh, or I guess uh, many other uh, different things that you've done over your career. But you are, you are like us, making the best of, of the situation, and you're hosting your own late-night show now on, on social media. When life gives you a virus, you got to make virus aid, is what I've always said. I've always said that. And, uh, yeah, this is what we've come to, Joe. It's, um, you know, it's sort of a golden age for live streaming. Um it, it, it's interesting how it's sort of put everyone on the same playing field, right? So now all of a sudden you got Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, James Corden, all the Jimmys and Jameses, uh, Conan. They're all online doing live streams from their apartments, their houses, mostly mansions. Uh, I'm in my apartment in New York, and I'm all of a sudden I'm on the same playing field here. It's all been leveled. My production quality is just as good or bad, however you want to put it. As theirs is. So, yeah, I'm enjoying this. IsolateNight.com is where you can watch the show every night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And I've got some great guests uh, coming up next week. And um, I'm doing it every night, essentially, until uh, they find a cure or we all die, whichever comes first. Yeah. And uh, it's all, you know, I think it comes down to whoever has the smartest people working for them, too, that know how to do this more than more than we do. Because, I mean, we're just, you know, yeah. we're sitting here on our computers and phones and there's people that'll, you know, you, I'm sure you're, you're the same way, that you have a guy that probably is telling you what to do and it's all a different language to you. Yeah, there's a, there, there, I have a guy in L.A., so it's hard with the remote situation, but he's, yeah, he works with this Hovercast company that I use to sort of uh, power my, my show and uh, give credit to this guy because, yeah, he's, he, he knows everything that I don't. And uh, somehow we're we're making this work. There's a bit of a translation issue, a, a communication barrier, but we're getting through it. So when, how far into quarantine did you start doing your uh, your show? So I uh, March 22nd is when I did my first uh, my first show. I, at the time, I didn't have a real name for it. I was just basically calling it the talk show at the end of the world because <laughs> the end of the world was really feeling uh, imminent at that point. <laughs> and uh, now that you know, things cooled down a little bit, March 26th, I relaunched it as ISO Late Night using the old David Letterman Late Night logo and intro music, definitely ripping off David Letterman. Um, thankfully, we're not big enough yet to be noticed by uh, Worldwide Pants and their production company. I, don't, I mean, I guess they could come after me, but uh, maybe, this will, maybe this is it. My, my, my mission here on your show could break this wide open. Um, if that's the case, I do have sound alike intro music on deck, <laughs> but, 
but isolate night because we're in isolation and you know i did a pretend shows on instagram live and i decided to switch over to a youtube twitter facebook and twitch just like you're doing with restream and obs and learning all these new acronyms and and website names uh yeah but it's uh you know it's experimentation you know every show we learn a little something else we learn all right how to frame up the guests better how to make sure the audio isn't echoing you know my dad is chimes in from his quarantine in westchester county new york and he's on skype but he can't figure out skype because he's 71 years old so you know we're, we're making it work joe it's, 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 a, it's been a process one of the first things that I learned was about how serious they take copyrights because I was just doing a test run that nobody could see. I had it on some YouTube channel with no viewers or anything, and I was playing around with stuff, and I just went and I started playing random videos of office bloopers, and YouTube shut that down so fast. Oh, yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, nobody is seeing this right now, and they were they were really quick. I mean, they take that stuff seriously. Copyright claims, pending strikes on your account. You got to be careful. They're they're cracking down big time. So you go. I mean, you go about. You've you've been in the game long enough. Uh, when it came to booking guests or getting people out there, how how difficult of a task has that been? I, I imagine it's probably a little easier than it than it should be with everybody kind of stuck in their homes. Well, that's the thing. No one has an excuse. Oh, I'm gonna be out of town that week. You know, oh, I'm not. I've got something. I've got another event that night. No, you don't. You've got nothing going on. You, you're you're legally mandated to be at home, uh, so you're either blowing me off because you want to watch uh, rewatch Tiger King, or you know, it, it, it's it, it's easier in that sense. It's easier in the sense that yes, theoretically, I can book anyone I want and and shoot my shot for the biggest celebrities, give them a DM and see who replies. But uh, it's actually becoming a crowded field, to be honest. Like so many of these shows are going virtual and. You know, these celebrity guests, they get burnt out, too. They don't want to do everybody's show. So uh, it's becoming harder, frankly. I'm getting fewer responses than I was even two uh -huh. So, so far, you've been doing this for a few weeks. Who has been that, who, who has been that top guest that you, you didn't think that you'd be able to book that you, uh, that you were able to line up? So I haven't really been, um, you know, I, I haven't, I, I've been mostly relying on my network, which thankfully over the years I've developed a, a nice network of guests because I've been doing my running late show. This all stemmed out of, this didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, I, for, for, for over a decade, I've been hosting talk shows in New York City and LA and I brought it to Boston one time called Running Late with Scott Rogowski. And then I had a 12 Angry Mascot show, which was a sports show. So I had a bunch of sports guests. In fact, I've got some baseball players on the show next week. From my MLB connections now, I got Ryan Dempster, Jerry Blevins, and Liam Hendricks on Wednesday night. So uh, a few pitchers uh, lined up. But yeah, I, I, I've relied on you know, like Gilbert Gottfried, who's been a guest on my Running Late Show, and David Cross, and uh, Nikki Glaser, and Richard Kind, the Sklar brothers, St. Louis's own. Actually, yeah. Nikki Glaser's in St. Louis right now. She's stuck in quarantine with her parents. But <laughs> But uh, I've been reaching out slowly. So for Sunday night, April 19th, I've got Thomas Middleditch, who's never done my show, and Ben Schwartz from uh, Parks and Rec, and Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley. And together, they're called Middleditch and Schwartz. They've been doing these improv shows for many years, and they're, they've got a Netflix special coming out. I think three different Netflix specials next week that are launching. So we're going to talk about that. I'm really excited for Middleditch and Schwartz. Very nice. Is there a, is there a white whale out there that you really want to get on? God, I mean, if I could talk to Nomar Garcia-Para, who was my favorite baseball player growing up, uh, I might, I haven't done it yet, but I might sneak into the DMs now and, and give him a shot and see. Maybe maybe if I reach Mia Hamm, if right. I can get Mia and Nomar together, come on. 
That'd be, yeah, that's, I, I'm the same. I, Frank Thomas was mine. I've never had a chance to interview him. And that's, that's always been my white whale. And that's the, uh, but yeah, I feel you on Nomar. Dude, no, for whatever reason, Nomar, I came of age and he just, I think maybe I looked like him a little bit growing up. I always, you know, the big nose thing. I don't know what it was, but I just felt like he, if, if, a, if a player like him could make it to the major leagues who looked like him, maybe I could get there too. Cause that was my dream. Of course. What what has it been, or life been like in New York during all of this? Well, everyone compares it to a ghost town. They say New York City is a ghost town, but um, honestly, I wish it were a ghost town. I'd have some people to talk to, some ghosts to hang out with. You know, it's pretty damn quiet, Joe. There's a uh, yeah, even just walking around at night, which you're not really supposed to do. I mean, you know, but I have to get my exercise somehow. And on a Thursday night last night, just walking around, it's just. Because there's just there's no bar open, no restaurant, no club, nothing. So if you are out at night, you're only up to no good. I mean, you're sketchy. You're 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 looking into car windows, seeing if you know you're opening cars to see if they're unlocked. Like that's who's out there at night. It's kind of uh, it gets kind of scary, but uh, it's weird, man. There's there's you know I'm paying New York City rent, and I'm, I don't feel like I don't have New York City. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've seen the pictures of Times Square. It's just, I mean, it's the naked cowboy, and that's it. Yeah, naked cowboy's still out there. I did walk by him. He's still out there. God bless him. Um, I don't know how he's, uh, you know, geez. I mean, you could do a six-foot distance photo with the naked cowboy. Does that Maybe that's a nice souvenir of this corona pandemic. It's like, here's my photo of the naked cowboy, and uh, thankfully he's not touching me. Because you don't, you you don't want to go near that guy anyway, even in the best yeah, of yeah. times. The uh, so you do this. I gotta ask. I meant to ask this earlier. Where where do you get all your suits from? My suits come out of my closet, which is right right next door here, and uh, they they come from a company called Shinesty, Shinesty dot com. They uh, they 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 do these crazy prints and funky outfits, and they've been doing it for years. And a friend of mine used to work there, so they hooked me up. Nice. Actually, if you give me a moment, I can pull out. Absolutely. This is my. Uh, so this is this is my probably my favorite suit. This oh, one, wow. this like funky Bahamian Junkanoo pattern situation, and then and this guy, this is the one of one that no one else can get. Oh my! This was the HQ suit that they made that I couldn't really wear on HQ because of the green screen situation. But <laughs> this is this is in 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 uh, pretty much mothballed at this point. But maybe I'll break it out for a special occasion. I don't know. HQ is is in the rear view at this point. Right. How much are you missing baseball these days? Oh my goodness, Joe! It's it's. I almost forget what baseball looks like or how you play it. Um, there's what? There's like nine guys on a team, right? And then there's uh, yeah. and then you, and then one guy stands in the middle of the field and he throws a ball, and the other team yeah, tries yeah. to hit the ball. Man, it, it, it's super depressing to be honest I, i'm trying to be funny about it but uh it's my favorite sport it's my livelihood right now i host the show change up on the zone and without baseball there's no change up so i'm unemployed <laughs> and uh yeah i wanted to come back for many reasons but primarily so i could uh be working again yeah i i mean i i feel you i had trips planned i mean i was planning on going to la for the all-star game toronto for the cardinals blue jays series I was all set to go to opening day in Cincinnati for the Cardinals. And I mean, I'm just looking at it now and it just sucks. It really does. And the Cardinals were, were looking to have a little rebound this year. What do you think? Were they? I think their pitching was going to be really, really fun to watch. 
the offense, I think there was a lot to be desired there, but I think that pitching was going to, was going to be something. I mean, just being down at spring training and seeing the hype around a guy like KK and wondering what kind of role he was going to be in or how they were going to fit him in. It, it was really, you know, it was exciting to look forward to. And as a Mets fan, I was, I was, I was pumped for the uh, Mets debut of Michael Waka. Because <laughs> I thought between Waka and Porcello, the Mets loading up on these faded stars, you know, former all-stars. I don't know. I think there's something magical about pitching in New York. Some players can, can turn it on and, and find that glory again. The others crumble under the pressure. But uh, Waka and Porcello, it remains to be seen how they'll perform. And what uh, Matt Adams had just signed there too. So you got right. another, yeah, a, uh, another former uh, former Cardinal who just won a, a World Series ring, and he's he's now stuck in St. Louis. So I got to say, the Washington Nats fans have it best because they are technically still World Champs and will continue to be until baseball's played again. They may have an extra year of championship to celebrate. That's how that's how we're looking at it with uh, hockey in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. is that it took fifty some years for the Blues to finally win the Cup, and now we don't have to give it back. So it's <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's working out uh, well there. So one of the things that we have just started doing here on the show is we're opening up old baseball cards. I have found. Oh. Yeah, I look at it. This is a Topps Stadium Club. Never has been opened. I have a only. Yeah, I have a chest in my uh, in my basement. And I took actually this one. We just opened this up with a uh, basketball uh, guest I just had on Topps 92. 92, The plastic was still on the box when I opened that up. So that's how uh, that's what we're looking at here. So I figure we open them up, uh, whatever sport, you know, the guest is related to, and we, we see what kind of memories we can spark Perfect. with, uh, looks, yeah. This, this looks like 1992 Stadium Club, if I recall. I have this set. This is like a special set they put out. I can pretty much name, you're going to find Frank Thomas in there, I'm fairly certain. You're going to find Cal Ripken in there, Ricky Henderson, uh, you know, Will Clark's probably in there. Let's, uh, we'll look at opener up presented by the Inskip law firm. And right off the start here, we have Terry Pendleton. Terry. Hey, uh, yeah. So you got Terry Pendleton to, uh, kick it off. Look at uh, David Cohn in there. You have a, uh, you have a David Cohn Mets that, card. David Cohn, of course. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, Nolan Ryan. I, I probably have, I mean, I feel like I have over a hundred Nolan Ryan cards and I'm not it, for no reason, just because they put them in everything. Dude, save well. Also, he pitched for forty years. Save that one because Nolan Ryan is like one of the most collectible guys still in this industry. If, I don't know if you know this, but people love Nolan Ryan. His cards are still selling for big money. I, I truly think I do have about a. I mean, really, like a hundred of them somewhere. So I, I that's very, very good to know. A uh, Ricky Henderson, another oh. Terry Pendleton, two Terry Pendletons in the same pack. Brett Saberhagen, look at this. This is I love when they do cards like this. I, it's been so long since I've opened cards, but you have Braves no hitter, a team no hitter of Braves pitchers. Yes, Mark Wallers in the middle there, young Mark Wallers. Is that Alejandro Pena on the right? That is Alejandro Pena. Yeah, Mark Wallers, and come on, you got that third one right. Let, let me see it again. Uh, Pete Smith. Kent Merker. Kent Merker. Oh man. Yeah. A uh, a Tom Glavin one. Chuck Knobloch. And I, I think this. Oh, look at that. You called it. Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken in there. Ripken and Henderson. I call, I'm, I'm telling you, this is this is a classic set. And the members yeah. that was hard to that was hard to find. Yeah. And you mentioned well. You mentioned playing for 40 years. You got Julio Franco in here too. Julio Franco. Yeah. Uh, Roger Clemens and. 
a uh, this one. I think this is going to be my favorite of the uh, the pack. A uh, a Carlton Fisk. Oh man, ninety two doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And to think that Carlton Fisk was playing back then, still. I mean, it's yeah, it was thirty years ago, but still. You know what I just did today? My dad sent me a link because he's seventy one years old. So he he's finding inspiration. He's still playing baseball. He sent me a, a, an email with a link to Luke Appling. 75-year-old Luke Appling in the 1982 old-timers game at RFK Stadium hit a home run, a, a legit home run into the seats, 75 years old. Oh, my. Warren Spahn. It was an old-timers game in 1982. So then I went to YouTube and started watching this thing in, in, in its entirety. You can watch this ESPN broadcast in 1982. You have Brooks Robinson playing third base, Al Kaline in center, Harm, Harmon Killebrew in right, Johnny Mize at first. I mean – Bobby Avila at second, and 75-year-old Luke Appling at shortstop. Early win was pitching. I mean, this is the, it was the coolest thing ever, dude. 1982, but you think, like, I looked it up. Like, Harmon Killebrew and, and, and Brooks Robinson, they were only five, seven years out of the league at that point. Wow. Jeez, yeah, they, uh, they, they don't do those old-timer games like they used to. And I wish just, they did. Thinking of some of the names that you could you could get in some of these games nowadays, as guys that played in the '90s would be great. Well, that's the thing. That's the sad part. All those guys you just opened, they would be the old timers today. <laughs> that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. So, isolate night is where uh, people could find you now. If I mean, like, guys, if you follow if you follow Scott Rogowski on Twitter, it's Scott Rogowski. You follow you on Twitter. When you start the stream, it shows up there right on top of the Twitter feed. It's, it's easy to find. For uh, for that, uh, you only you're doing it Sunday through Thursday night. So you said you have a nice guest list lined up for next week. Who's uh, yeah. who's on there? I got I got Middle Ditch and Schwartz on the 19th. I've got um, Adam Pally, the actor, and I've got yeah Ryan Dempster, Liam Hendricks, and Jerry Blevins, a trio of pitchers on Wednesday. We're doing Wednesday night baseball, and I'm still booking out the rest of the week. So uh, stay tuned. I have to go back and start emailing more people now, actually. <laughs> Very nice, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Best of luck with everything. And likewise, Joe. Be well. Scott Rogowski of DAZN. He hosts the Changeup uh, when, when we have baseball. Now the host of Isolate Night. You can find it on uh, many social media platforms. I watch it on Twitter. And a, uh, he, it sounds like he has a great guest list lined up for next week. This is Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClabesOnline.com where you can find all kinds of content each and every week. Also, it's uh, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura each and every week, along with other stuff there on Claves Online. Hey, Glory Pro Wrestling, they are still planning to run Wrestling at the Grand Ole Theater June 20th. Tickets are available. Check out uh, them on Instagram and Twitter, and they have been announcing who will be on that card coming up at the Grand Ole Theater on June 20th. We take another break. Back with more Weekend Joe after this. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, have you thought about uh, buying or selling your home here in St. Louis? Well, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he can help you out in doing so. Been selling and buying homes for well, a few decades now. You can call him at 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. (laughs) 
And welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on Claves Online. And I, I thought we'd go a, a different route here. I thought we'd have a little fun with, uh, with this next guest that we have as everybody's looking for something to cover, something to do with the lack of sports that we have in the world right now. So we go out to the phone lines and we welcome in from SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell, who uh, covers hoops for SB Nation. Ricky, what's going on, man? What's going on, Joe? I, uh, you know, I, I saw this last week and I, I've been following the baseball players that are playing Twitch, the basketball players that are playing NBA 2K20 and, you know, they, they sit there, they trash talk and who amongst us hasn't done a dynasty in any of these sports? And that's exactly what you're doing. Uh, listeners to the show are no stranger to the fact that I went to Western Illinois University, graduated there in 2007. And you are currently running a dynasty. You dusted off what uh, NCAA 2K8? Is that what you're you're playing on right now? Yeah, College Hoops 2K8. It was the last college basketball video game made by 2K Sports. So uh, yeah, basically, in an effort to continue writing stuff every day as a sports writer during a time without any sports, I thought it might be fun to uh, you know sim a dynasty and write about it and. Uh, I was actually shocked by the response. I wasn't sure if anyone would read it, but it actually got a, a pretty strong response uh, from people online. So I think I'm going to stick with it, and uh, it'll be fun to play out. Yeah, for for those that haven't seen the article online, you you found the worst team in college basketball in 2008, which just so happened to be my Western Illinois Leathernecks. And your goal is to try to win a national championship with them just by simming. I mean, anybody can set it on freshmen and go and win and go 35 and 0, but you're doing it all simulation, right? Yeah, exactly. And the way the game works is that you get to choose one of what are called like one star prestige schools. So it's schools like North Florida and Texas State and Grambling. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of schools of like similar prestige and, uh, I've, you know, been in Chicago all my life. I was raised in the suburbs. So, uh, the only local team is Western Illinois. So I decided to pick Western Illinois and I played through the first season and on Saturday I'm going to release the second and third seasons of it. So yeah, just something to do to have some fun in between, uh, in between writing updates about high school basketball recruiting and uh, the NBA draft and whatever's going on in the NBA these days. Have you have you dove in? Have you done any research on what that team would have looked like back uh, back? So I guess this would have been what the 2007 2008 season, or how how does that work with uh, NCAA with the years? Yeah, it would have been 2007 2008. I have okay. not uh, I have not looked at the Sports Reference page. I should do that. That could be pretty fun. But in college basketball that year. It was absolutely loaded nationally. I mean, that was the year that ended with the Memphis versus Kansas title game with Derrick Rose playing for Memphis. Mm. Kansas had Mario Chalmers and a great team around him. That's Bill Self's only national title at Kansas. Uh, Stephen Curry's in that game, or we should say the likeness of Stephen Curry. You had Tyler Hansborough in North Carolina. So an absolutely loaded year for college basketball. And what I think is fun about the game to sim it is that you really get invested in the recruiting and you sort of make uh, you know, small gains as you progress through the game and build up your coach. So we're going to see if I can uh, win a national championship here with Western Illinois, assuming 40 seasons. And really, we're going to see if people are interested in reading uh, 30 more installments of this series <laughs> because people like the first one, but we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, so that year, the head coach of that team, that was the very last year of Derek Thomas being the head coach of that team, the son of an NFL Hall of Famer who wasn't very good as a college basketball coach but does have an interesting story behind him. So there there probably is more to write about it than just the actual on court. I mean, I know it's all likeness of all of these guys, but still a, a, there's a story behind the head coach there in Derek Thomas. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually didn't know that. Of course, I remember Derek Thomas, the old Chiefs linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea about that. And I believe someone told me that Brad Underwood was an assistant at Western Illinois, too, uh, maybe a year or two later. Is that correct? I, I'm not sure what year he was there. I do know that following Derek Thomas was Jim Molinari was the uh, was the head coach. And just uh, behind a story about him is that he this is how great Western Illinois basketball program is. He left being a head coach at Western Illinois to take an assistant job at Nebraska. <clears throat> so yeah. that that kind of sh- yeah that shows the prestige of the uh, the Western Illinois Leathernecks with uh, that. But I mean, with, with the idea behind, I mean, we're you know I've I've God, I mean, this is how starved we are for sports. I've watched Big Cat from Barstool play NCAA football on Twitch multiple nights. I, it's it's getting bad out there in the world of not having any live sports to watch on TV. So this is, I mean, like I said, this is a decent escape to get people to pay attention to what's, uh, I guess, what's going on in the uh, in the world. What I mean, as far as gameplay goes, what is what are the graphics like on, on this game, or how does it compare to, say, an NBA 2K20? Yeah, first of all, I'm upset that Dan, your big, we'll call him Big Cat. I'm, I'm friends with, with him. He's a pretty good guy. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we, I had no idea that he was doing this as I was doing it too. And I had been sitting on my idea for a couple weeks after I started oh. writing it up because it just seemed like too stupid for me to actually publish. And I was like questioning myself and I was asking my coworkers if this was worth it. And I was almost not even going to publish it after doing it. And then it ended up being like, a pretty moderate success in terms of traffic for us and uh, got a pretty good response online. But I think that Dan really one-upped me being able to broadcast it on Twitch. So I need to figure that out. Uh, I've been texting with him a little bit about that. Uh, in terms of the gameplay, I think the gameplay is really good. I think the graphics are pretty solid. What's funny is that they have uh, like a weekly studio show with a fake Greg Gumbel in the <laughs> studio, sort of breaking everything down and showing highlights. And I hope that as my project goes on, I'll be able to shine a spotlight on some of that stuff, uh, in addition to the recruiting. So, uh, I think, I think the game is like really in depth and it's a super fun game. And to be honest, this idea was born out of the fact that I wanted to play another dynasty in the game but I felt like I was just wasting so much of my time by investing in it. And I was feeling guilty about that uh, because I just feel like, you know, when I, if I'm putting so much time into something, it should be at least tangibly related to my job or something that can benefit right. my job. Uh, so that's sort of where the idea was born out of. But yeah, I think that Dan has really put a spotlight on this and uh, hopefully I'll find a way to get it on Twitch and maybe I can, uh, you know, ride his coattails a little bit. So you've already done season one, right? Done season one, and I actually finished season two and three last night. That'll publish on Saturday. This is actually a huge undertaking to get all of the photographs and then to, like, piece it together and crop everything. And it takes quite a bit of time, but, uh, you know, I'll I'll pull back the curtain a little bit here. So my second season was not very good at Western Illinois. I finished under 500 and totally struggled. 
Third season, crushed it. Win the conference. Ooh. Go to the conference tournament title game with a lineup of only my own recruits, now all freshmen or sophomores. And what I decided to do, I was playing, I believe, South Dakota State in the summer yeah. tournament championship game. So I actually watched the game, but didn't play it. I just put my controller in the middle, not one of the two sides, put it on 20 minute court, 20 minute halves and simmed it. And my girlfriend somehow didn't break up with me while she was sitting on the couch as I was cheering on my make believe video game team. Uh, but it was an absolutely legendary game. Western Illinois won by, I think, one or two points in overtime. I have a lot of clips of that, so I'm going to be piecing that together uh, tomorrow, hopefully, if I get some time, or Saturday morning with a plan I'm publishing it Saturday. I got to I mean, this is, okay, this is me nerding out because, I mean, that's, I, I follow them, and they are one of the few schools in all of the nation that has never made it to the NCAA tournament. But the one year, I want to say... I think it was 2012, they actually went into overtime or double overtime against South Dakota State University and lost in the conference championship game. So, so far, it sounds like you're you're following an actual timeline of, of how the uh, Leathernecks have actually done in, in recent history. That's funny. I better have some more sustained success, and I think that, you know, I've played this game through enough times that I, I kind of know – how to uh, build a really good program. I do not know if I'm going to be able to win the national championship because that's going to be pretty difficult simulating it against uh, the Blue Bloods. But, uh, yeah, I think that I'll have a decent chance, and hopefully there'll be people interested in reading it as I do it. Well, I, I hope that we can follow up again as we uh, as you go on with this dynasty and check in on it because Western's been a sponsor of the show for uh, for a few years. I, I know that I do have listeners that are also Leathernecks, so you'll you'll have a following here um, if we keep updating this. Uh, outside of that, what other kind of stuff are you uh, are you writing? I know you're based out of Chicago. Is there is there a lot of interest in the Last Dance coming up this weekend? Yeah, certainly. Can't wait to watch that. Uh, I cover basketball at all three levels. So the, you know, high school level in terms of college basketball recruiting, then college hoops, uh, and the NBA. So, uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff. Right now I'm writing about Jalen Green, who is the top three prospect in the country, who just decided to go to the G League rather than playing a year of college basketball. So I'm sort of writing about the pros and cons of that decision. I'll definitely be writing off the last dance on Sunday night. That'll be interesting. And uh, I think most people who know me know me from my work covering writing about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I've been very critical of the organization for the last probably five or six years. I was really leading the charge on the fire Garpax bandwagon. They thank finally you. did it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. So, yeah. Uh, I think I need to take a victory lap and write something about Garpax finally being pushed out of power in Chicago as well. But uh, I'll have a mock draft for the 2020 NBA draft as well. And, I get it. Best of luck to you, and uh, let's uh, let's keep in touch on this, Ricky. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And that was Ricky O'Donnell. You can find him on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky for a lot of basketball news. Uh, I, I am a big fan of the fact that he was one of the uh, the top guys to lead the Fire Gar Packs uh, initiative. As uh, looks like uh, that's finally over with, and the Bulls are going to move on and hopefully give me a reason to start following the NBA a lot closer here over the next few years. You're listening to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. 
right here now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com and uh, also sponsored by Collinsville Auto Body. 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville is where you can find Collinsville Auto Body, still an essential business helping out with any of your automotive needs, working with most insurance providers at Collinsville. Auto body. Take a break. Come back. We'll revisit with Andy Hanselman. Get you some crack slippers to wrap things up here on this weekend's edition of Weekend Joe, driven by Mungnas St. Louis Acura, now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com. Weekend Joe, driven by Mungnas St. Louis Acura, here on. Uh, ClavesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles, in the nation, that is Munganess, St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClavesOnline.com. Final segment here of Weekend Joe, now exclusively on Claves Online, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and uh, Andy uh, St. Louis uh, Munganass St. Louis Acura. Get this, they um, they they are they would like to extend a huge thank you to the healthcare workers and first responders by offering them several service specials, including a free interior detail cleaning. You oh, can call wow. them today and make an appointment and let them help you while you are helping our community. That's stlouisacura.com, or you can call them 314-822-2872. That's 314-822-2872. As I said, they are offering free interior detail cleaning, also 10% off of all services, uh, such as four-wheel alignments, uh, batteries, weather mats, remote start kits, and then, like I said, free car wash with the interior detail there at Munganass St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now exclusively on Claves Online. So you heard from uh, all the interviews, if you've been listening through the entire show, uh, one of the things with Balzer that we, we talked about, we got into, was the uh, the cuts that WWE made. I was told last week that they were going to have to cut about 60% of their uh, of their staff and you're seeing uh, you're you're seeing I mean it was a bloodbath on Wednesday with the people they let go and some of the names that they uh, that they released on Wednesday so it's it's affecting a lot of uh, a lot of people here throughout the uh, the country as as we all know and it's uh, a lot of things are going to look really different once everything gets up and running back to whatever the new normal is uh, what were some of the big names that that uh, that got cut um, well, a, a lot of the big names I would say that people would know, most notably know, were producers, backstage guys, agents, if you will. But they did release Gallows and Anderson, who were just uh, with AJ Styles in the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. That mm-hmm. was a big one. Rusev was let oh, go wow. by the company. And um, uh, the other, uh, Zack Ryder, who has been with them for, I think, 14 years, he was let go by the uh, by the company as well. Were those permanent layoffs, or they just they just kind of load and they're going to bring them back when stuff kind of gets back to normal? Or have you heard I, much about that? I, 
I, I mean, as of nobody, I, I, from what I have been told, nobody, I mean, AEW is not hiring anybody. Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, they're not hiring anybody. They're, they don't have money either, the same way WWE is losing money. And for any of these independent companies, like uh, for Glory Pro, for example, I, I you know, I, I know I've talked to the ownership of Glory Pro and they, I mean, nobody knows what the price would be. And then you have to justify being able to spend that. Right. You know, if this, if a guy wants $5,000 to come in, where are you getting $5,000 in ticket sales? Right. So you're not, you're not gonna be able to bring in some of those big names for a while. No, absolutely not. Andy, let's, uh, by the way, um, I, I, I know you, if you, if you just listened to all that, Andy, we started a new segment there. Uh, I, I told you about earlier this week too. open her up presented by the Inskip law firm. As we, I have a ton of packs of, uh, sports cards, NFL, NBA, baseball cards from the nineties in my basement that have never been opened. In fact, I took the plastic off the box before I opened up the box that had the packs of cards in it. And we are opening up cards live uh, with these, with these guests and just looking through them and looking at memories of great cards and great players in, uh, in history. So that was a a fun segment. We debuted this, uh, this week. So we, uh, we have that to look forward to in weeks to uh, weeks to come. Andy, let's, uh, let's get to some uh, crack slippers. Hey, Joe, some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the Crack Slippers with Joe Roderick on ClavesOnline.com. So, Andy, I got an email earlier this week about a a potential guest to have on the show. I wanted to book him. I was told I uh, could not because our show was not live on the radio. I get it. I'm fine with that. I I understand that. But I was offered Joey Chestnut. Oh, really? And, yeah, before I was told that, that everything's pre-recorded and, and set on the weekends, and I was told you cannot have Joey Chestnut because of that. But the reason why they wanted to give me Joey Chestnut was because there is the, the I, I, what is it, the Major League Eating is having the Quarantine Challenge, which started Friday night. It is a single elimination bracket style contest that will see the uh, the competitors eat food uh, such as Andy. This is again, this is competitive eating: bologna, Oreos, baked beans, and cups of noodles. Oh God! That sounds like Yak City to me. Yeah, so the uh, the Friday night, so last night, the the first challenge was that they had to eat two pounds of sliced bologna. Oh, my God. And how fast they could eat two pounds of sliced bologna. Can you even imagine? So Sunday night, Sunday night, the competition is 48 Oreos, and you get a half gallon of whole milk. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, you give me golden Oreos, I, I feel like I could I could sit down and eat 48 of those. With whole milk? I don't know if I could do it. I think the whole milk would fill you up so fast. You just you dunk it in there and you eat the Oreo, and next thing you know, the milk's gone. How fast could you do it, Joe? Could you do it in five minutes? No, God, no. I, I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying every all 48 of those cookies. <laughs> 
That's not the point. It's your, it's, you have to do it as fast as you can. Oh, okay. Well, I can't just sit. I can't just say that I ate forty-eight Oreos. I mean, I guess you could. Yeah. Uh, then Tuesday night, round three, the semifinals. It is one and a half gallons of baked beans. Oh. Can you even? A, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, there's so many thoughts going through my head that I'm stopping myself from saying. <laughs> I wish we had a fart sound effect. <laughs> it's here's the here's what sucks. So the round one was Friday night, round two is Sunday night. So you get a day off in between. Okay. And then round three is Tuesday night. So you get Monday night off. The finals are Wednesday night. So you eat a gallon and a half of baked beans, and then you have to turn around and compete the very next night. Oh boy, your system's gonna really be cleaned out after that. I mean, really clean. <laughs> Wednesday night, the finals. Is ten cups of chicken noodles, like ramen noodles, right? I that's the way I read it. Yes, ten cups. Yes, that's a lot, right? Here you go. The the Vegas has put odds on this. Okay, of course they did because there's nothing else to bet on. For the over under on how long it will take the winner to eat two pounds of bologna. Wait, I want to guess. I have not looked at these up. I, I want to. Okay. I want to take a guess. The over under, two pounds of bologna. Yes. I'm going to go with seven and a half minutes. Andy, the over under for eating two pounds of bologna is sixty nine seconds. I'm sorry. What? You Vegas. A, Vegas you predicts a minute and nine seconds. Sixty nine seconds. One minute. And nine seconds to eat two pounds of bologna. Shut the front door. All right, what's next? What's what's the next one? I was that's, way off that's that one. all. That's all they have given so far are the odds on round one. Sixty nine seconds is the over under. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. You no, know, it's no wonder other countries hate us. <laughs> yeah. Just waste. And plus, there's probably a bunch of guys doing it. So, I mean, it just, you know, say there's there's 10 guys doing it. That's 20 pounds of bologna. By the way, and I'm looking here um, for for this. I, I didn't notice this. at the beginning. So, I guess they, they have changed the baked beans. It's not a, gal- a one and a half gallons. It's 1.125 gallons of baked beans, so it's less. Do you know how much that equals to in pounds? Uh, no, I, I'm going to guess 10 pounds. Maybe, maybe, it is, maybe it, no, it's exactly 10 pounds. They okay. have to eat 10 pounds of baked beans. My God. Yeah. Now, are, are, are there, are there little, are there little, uh, little wieners in it? Little smokies? It does not say that. It just says baked oh. beans. So no idea if there's like bits of bacon or fat okay. or anything in there. Yeah. There's not like I want bacon in the baked bean. Yeah, so <laughs> that's uh, that's something to uh, look forward to. I uh, I guess is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on a I'm gonna end on a much better. Uh, I promise you, I'm ending on a much much better crack slippers. Before, before you move on, yeah. we need to make sure that we follow up on this crack slipper. I want to know. I want to know who won. I want to know what the times were. Okay, I will. I'm putting that make, in my notes note, right now. Make a note to do that. I'm putting it in my notes for next week's show, Major League Eating. There you go. I'm putting it in there right now, so we will have that. Uh, we'll have that in there 
and we will know to uh, to discuss that next uh, next week. So uh, Friday night was the WNBA draft. Andy, they uh, they did all of it virtually, the same way that the NFL will be doing next week. And as uh, as as we all know, at the end of January, uh, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash along with his daughter. And a few members of his daughter's uh, basketball team, which Kobe Bryant was the owner of, it was Team Mamba and their families as well, all perished in the uh, in the helicopter accident. A uh, just a devastating uh, loss for for many. And uh, the WNBA held their draft on uh, Wednesday night or on Friday night. And before the draft started, they the WNBA made honorary draft picks of. Alyssa Altabelli, Peyton Chester, and Gianna Bryant. So the WNBA uh, drafted, honorarily, posthumously drafted Kobe Bryant's daughter and the two teammates that passed away in that helicopter crash to make for a very touching moment before the uh, WNBA draft got underway. What a, what a nice sentiment to do. And, and congrats to the folks at the WNBA for uh, for paying homage to those to those, to those Yeah, characters. it's, I mean, so, with everything. So unfortunately. Everything that's gone on these past, I mean, we're, we're sitting here in the middle of April. You think of everything that's gone on. I mean, that was, what, 10 weeks ago that yeah. that happened? It's, it's insane to think that that only happened 10 weeks ago. So I want to say, say, go home 2020, you're drunk. Right. <laughs> God. It, uh, crazy. So, yeah, we, um, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as well. Yeah, that's really, really nice. Yeah. Andy, that's going to do it for our uh, show today. A uh, very busy show. Another uh, another four guests on the uh, on the ledger. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it and look for a lot of stuff that we plan on doing and announcing coming to ClabesOnline.com this next week. Andy, thank you very much. Have a, a wonderful week, sir. You too, Joseph. This has been Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, now exclusively right here on ClabesOnline.com. We'll talk to you soon.